Hey, it's PF. And uh, yes, we're continuing with the Lost Episode series of PF's Tape Recorder. And we're going to go with Episode 5 today. And again, uh, you can't find these episodes really anywhere, not even in, in Podbean, the original host site. So um, uh, Episode 5 features a good friend of the show, Paul Mercurio. He uh, works on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. Uh, he uh, does stand-up there. He... Uh, does audience warm-up, and he, uh, I, from my understanding, he uh, writes a uh, bit sometimes and uh, is on part of the writing staff. But anyway, this is um, our first interview with Paul ever. It goes all the way back to when he was on The Daily Show uh, doing similar work, um, and he got to be friends with Stephen Colbert. He explains the backstory of how he became uh, interested in stand-up while being a big uh, Wall Street lawyer, so it's a, it's a really good story. So we're going to hear the entire episode as it was played back in 2010, 2011, whatever it was. And on the other side of that, of course, you get a brand new song of the week. But in the meantime, here is episode five, the PF's Tape Recorder. Hey, guys, Will Gertz here. You're listening to PF's Tape Recorder. Hello there, I'm PF, and this is my tape recorder. It's episode 5, finally! Coming up, Emmy Award-winning comedy writer and stand-up comic Paul Mercurio tells us about working for his mom back in the early days of his stand-up career, and about being a guest on Sean Hannity's Fox News program, which he still does from time to time. Paul will also tell us about the time he spent being an open-mic comic, while at the same time, still pursuing his career as a Wall Street lawyer, and some of the strange situations he found himself in while leading that double life. Why do you have a blood stain on your shirt? <laughs> right. So the minute I, he says that, like, I don't know what to say, and then one of the guys goes to me, what kind of shirt is that? Find out how Paul extracted himself from that situation coming up. Also a fake spot, some fake news, and music from Andy Hawk and the Trainwreck Endings, fresh from Virginia. First, though, I wanted to briefly address the tape recorder. Um, it seems like the tape recorder has not gotten as much traction as my other podcast, the No Huddle Fantasy Football Podcast. And that might be because uh, the No Huddle comes out regularly during the football season. It has to come out weekly. Uh, the tape recorder has it seems to be a little more work, uh, at least on the production end of it, for me. So they've been coming out maybe a little more sporadically. As I've mentioned before, if I did these as a strict interview podcast, I could edit them together very quickly. But I like to do a little bit of, uh, you know, some skits and some fake news, which I love. And, uh, you know, that's making the production process go on a, a little more than it would for the No Huddle. And then, of course, come fall, I'm going to have to do both of them, hopefully do both of them, as hopefully we'll have an NFL season. But uh, I'm just hoping that folks understand what the tape recorder is about and what we're trying to do here. It seems some folks that have helped out on the podcast kind of tend to you know, disappear, and I don't hear from them for a while. For example, uh, the, the Shadow Raptor kids who helped us out on a bit uh, in the last episode and also will help us out on a bit coming up today, a fake spot, uh, they're a band from Cincinnati, and I emailed them and said, hey, uh, I used some of your music in uh, a bit I was doing, and I never heard back from them. And then, of course, my friend Mike Travers there in Pittsburgh used some of his music on the tape recorder, and I haven't really heard back from him. So, I don't know, maybe people aren't understanding what's going on, uh, maybe I'm not doing something right, but uh, hopefully if we stick together, uh, everything will, will be okay, it'll get better, and then we'll have a, you know, a good understanding of what this podcast is about and what we're trying to do. Got some great guests coming up, by the way. In addition to today's Emmy Award winner, uh, we'll have Paula Poundstone coming up. Uh, Jimmy Pardo will be coming up. Kostaki Economopolis. So a lot of good guests coming up. You're going to want to stick with PF's tape recorder. Uh, with all that out of the way, I guess we will go on to some fake news. 
now, fake news with me. The New Jersey man arrested for allegedly stealing a valuable Picasso work from a San Francisco art gallery once made a career working as a New York waiter, according to a new report. It took police a while to find the perpetrator, as he didn't much resemble the Cubist-style police sketch that was being distributed to authorities worldwide. Bristol Palin is busy promoting her new book, Not Afraid of Life. It's the first book that she has written, and the first one that she's read. Well, almost. When the book debuted a few weeks ago, a headline in USA Today said, Bristol slams Johnson in book. Levi then hobbled away, holding his groin. Mitt Romney continues to struggle on several fronts in his bid to lead GOP nominees in the 2012 race for the White House. His biggest problem is that when he goes into a neighborhood to do some door-to-door -door campaigning, people pretend not to be home. Space Shuttle Atlantis launched this past Friday on what will be the last mission for the shuttle program. The 30-year-old technology is considered obsolete by NASA, and henceforth, astronauts will fly to the International Space Station on the 41-year-old Russian Soyuz spacecraft. Google is slowly rolling out its social network, Google Plus, in its latest effort to challenge Facebook, but it is doing so by invitation only. Not a lot is known about the team that developed Google+, except the fact that they apparently didn't watch the social network. As a self-imposed sign of contrition for numerous NCAA rules violations, Ohio State University has vacated all of its 2010 wins and put itself on probation. Fans in Ann Arbor flipped cars over and trashed several local businesses posthumously. And that's been Fake News with me. The new Mountain Dew Summer flavors are here, and they're extreme, extremely extreme, like the new Mountain Dew Nervous Conniption. Mountain Dew Nervous Conniption has to be the best flavor ever, and I was trying it, I was listening all the time, well, which just happens to be my favorite band in the world, you know, so it was all good, so whenever I listen to them, I think about the Nervous Conniption, because I mean, it's just that good. Oh, and right now I'm talking about one friend, Emma, because I'm probably going to have Mountain Dew Nervous Conniption with her, because, you know, wouldn't that be so much fun, we'd be all really hyped together, you know, because being hyped okay. is like the best part all of right. the Okay, thank you. Stuff. you Thanks. Know, that's why it's so great. Shut up! Ah, sorry! <laughs> New Mountain Dew Nervous Conniption. Get some fast. And be sure to pick up some Mountain Dew Nervous Conniption wherever fine soft drinks are sold. Okay, our guest uh, on the tape recorder today is Paul Mercurio. Uh, Paul is a successful stand-up comic. You may have heard him on the uh, Bob and Tom radio show if you listen to uh, radio in that old-fashioned way. He is also a writer for The Daily Show and has won uh, a couple of Emmy Awards for his work on that program. He currently has three different programs in development out there in Los Angeles, and uh, we managed to catch up to him while he was uh, in the middle of uh, some of his meetings there. He took a break and decided to talk to us on the tape recorder. Here's our interview with Paul Mercurio. Okay, Paul Mercurio is our guest. Uh, Paul, thanks for joining us on PF's Tape Recorder. Absolutely. Always good talking to you, buddy. How's everything? Uh, pretty good. Uh, between the Tape Recorder now and uh, the No Huddle Fantasy Football Podcast, you have now logged the most appearances uh, on my podcast <laughs> at, at three. I think Kostaki has two. Uh, he almost tied you, but he bowed out at the last second because he had a bunch of stuff going on. And uh, uh, I think maybe Mark Shalafu probably has had two on the no huddle. So I think of the nah, first. Those guys can't hold a candle to me. No, I'm a three. I'm a three appearance kind of guy. And I could do six. I can do eight, man. I have stamina. I can go. go all night. All right. Yes, and you're so a busy I don't guy. Talk to my wife. She would disagree about that. But uh. <laughs> well, you are a busy guy. You do have stamina. You've uh, uh, got a lot going on. You're out in Los Angeles right now, correct? I'm in Los Angeles. 
taking the entertainment world by storm. I just turned down a six-picture deal from Warner Brothers. I there said not enough money. And uh, I, uh, they want me to do a remake of Gone with the Wind. And I'm saying, really, an <laughs> Italian red I, I don't think so. I don't think it's gonna. I don't think it's. Uh, I don't think it's gonna work. You know. Uh, so I, uh, I, you know, I'm a very important person, as I think you know. Of and, course. Uh, I'm actually out here because uh, I am uh, interviewing for a, a, a technical uh, service job at Best Buy. There you so go. Things on. <laughs> Be on the Geek Squad. Yeah, no, I'm out here. Yeah, I'm out here, sort of for, with uh, on uh, a couple of different shows I created that we have in development, which I'm really excited about. Cool. Yeah, and uh, one is a scripted half hour based on my sort of backstory, being a former Wall Street lawyer, banker guy turned comedian, and the other is, um, uh, and, you know, kind of how I was living a secret double life where I was a yeah. lawyer by day and a comic by night and would sneak out of work and I'd go to these dive bars around New York City working open mic nights. And and, uh, and uh, one of them was called Downtown Beirut 2. I think I, I, think I told you this, right? Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, well, for the podcast really, listeners, this is a new story. <laughs> and then had a, a really great, a really great sort of unique cast of characters. There was a pimp, there was a pusher that worked out of there. There was a hooker that worked out of there. There was... There was a sign on the men's bathroom door that said the bathroom toilet seat is only used to be used to, to go to the bathroom, not to cut coke. Thank you, <laughs> the management. <laughs> and I love that they said thank you, the management, at the, <laughs> at the bottom of the sign, right? <laughs> and it was like a bunch of drunk hecklers, and you you pick a number out of a lottery system, and uh, and uh, you wait to go on stage. And one night I'm waiting to go on stage, and there's a scuffle at the pool table, and this uh, fight breaks out. And this guy, who's like a six foot eight guy, bald head, tattoo running up his back to the back of his head, and uh, you know, sleeveless leather, one piece suit, kind of jumpsuit, gets up from the bar, goes over this pool table, and slashes this guy across the neck with a box cutter and runs out of the bar. And this guy starts bleeding, grabbing his neck, screaming, "He cut me!" Meanwhile, on stage, there's a guy playing "Blowing in the Wind" badly. Like, <laughs> yeah, so my friends like. The guy starts screaming, he cut me, man! I'm going to get him! It was a drug deal gone bad. He cut me! Screaming at the top of his lungs. People are like, blood squirting everywhere. People are running. And he cut me! This man. Yes! And my friend, the guy just keeps playing. Doesn't stop. Not going to miss a beat. His girlfriend starts crying. Oh my God, look at my boyfriend! The cops show up. They're walking buggies around. Blowing in the wind. This guy just keeps playing. Right. I'm next. I think the show's going to be canceled. They bring me on stage. I say, nice to be here at downtown Beirut 2. I always wanted to follow a slashing. I think that's a pretty good line. Yeah, that's well, good, good, great opener. The guy heard me say slashing, right? Hey, right, don't you think that's a good line for a guy who's barely been doing stand-up? And uh, he goes, uh, hey, is you talking about me? Are you making fun of me? I don't need to take you to... And he turns and he throws, takes all these bloody napkins and he wads them up and throws them at me. <laughs> and they land on my shirt. My white Brooks Brothers shirt. Now, a normal person at this point says, uh, this is God's message, get off stage. I stay, and I keep going, because I'm determined to get my set in. <laughs> and, then, and nobody's listening, because it's all mayhems broke loose, right? And all of a sudden, the guy who got his neck flashed turns back to me, and he goes, hey. He goes, what are you doing anyway? I go, oh, I'm trying to tell jokes. He goes, oh, yeah? He goes, I like jokes. He turns back to the bar. He goes, hey, everybody. Shut the hell up. This guy's trying to tell jokes. <laughs> and the whole place shuts up. 
<laughs> and you, know, you got to shut up when the guy, he's a screaming, bleeding man. Every time he'd scream, blood would squirt, like, like you know, <laughs> consistently with whatever he was screaming, right? So it was like, hey, and it was squirt. Everybody, like, and I finished my set. It was the best two minutes I ever had because the bar was scared witless to just, oh, my God, I'm going to laugh at whatever this guy said because I don't want this crazy, screaming, bleeding man to come after me. I get off stage. I get back in the car. I dress back up. I put my suit tie back on. I go back to the firm because I was working all night on these huge merger deals. This deal blew up. And, uh, and I go to this conference room, and there's, I don't know, 20 lawyers and bankers. And this one lawyer stands up in front of everybody starts criticizing me. And then this, another lawyer, this is the senior lawyer at the firm, he's looking at me and he goes, where have you been anyway? We've been looking for you. He's been, we can't have him to find you. Why do you have a blood stain on your <laughs> shirt? Right? So the minute I, he says that, like, I don't know what to say. And then one of the guys goes to me, what kind of shirt is that? I go, it's a Brooks Brothers. He goes, oh yeah? He goes, I got Brooks Brothers shirts. Guess how you get blood out of a Brooks Brothers shirt. <laughs> take a little closer, a little line juice. So he starts telling me how to get blood out. And the guy goes, no, no, Armani. So that's the shirt you want when you get blood, man. Those things are like a tank. You can do it. So, so I totally skated on the whole thing because these insecure bankers were comparing who has the better shirt for blood stains. Oh, my God. <laughs> and that, and that, that, became my, that became my life, you know. I was living this secret double life, and it like, so, quickly was catching up with me. And my wife and my girlfriend at the time didn't know anything about it because... She, she, she just, she thought something was up when I finally knew what was going on, that I was working in these comedy clubs and I was thinking of leaving to be a comedian. She turns to me and goes, uh, oh, thank God. I go, why? She goes, well, I thought you were cheating on me. I go, why? She goes, well, you're coming home with reeking of beer and cigarette smoke. She had blood stains all over you. You, <laughs> you. you had other women's phone numbers, which was true. There was women that had comedy rooms and they were going to, Give me, they gave me their information so I could go to their comedy and work out there in their comedy rooms. So all of these things were conspiring against me, which I didn't know at the time, right? To kind of, you know, in living this sort of secret double life and my family at home in Rhode Island didn't know anything about it and they wanted me to go run the family furniture business. So I was getting pulled in three different directions. Do I stay on Wall Street and my comedian or do I go run this family business and turn my back on everything in New York? And I was a mess. I was having a nervous breakdown at Dirty. That was a mess. So that sounds like a good pilot episode. Yeah, that's that's kind of that's kind of the basis for the show, you know. And you know, I tried to go home to Rhode Island and after my father died and help run the business, but you know, my mother just duped me into coming back. And you know, I was working on these huge merger deals, and then I'm home in Rhode Island, and she she treats me like I'm ten again. I was like an errand <laughs> boy. She gave me no responsibility. My job was to follow her around and make sure she didn't get herself in trouble because my mother's very forgetful and she can't hear. So I could go to my mother's store and she won't realize you're there. And she's locked customers in the store. <laughs> like, middle of the day. Like, she'll go, oh, my God, I got to go to the bank. Runs out, locks the door. I go there one day, there's this old woman in the store. I'm like, man, what happened? She goes, I was looking around. I turned to ask your mother a question. I couldn't get out. I said, how long have you been here? She goes, six hours. Oh, my God. Six hours. <laughs> She had a great sense of humor. I said, what have you been doing? She goes, well, I browsed a lot. <laughs> she said, I took a nap on that sofa. She goes, your name Paul? I go, yeah. She goes, you have six messages. She took messages for me, <laughs> right? And you got to ask yourself, like, where's the worst place to be locked in? You think a meat locker, right? No, yeah. a furniture store, because that's really pretty boring. See, at least in a meat locker, 
Like, you're going to be dead in 10 minutes. You're going to entertain yourself with thoughts of survival. Yeah. You start thinking, like, I got to live. I got to get out of here. I got to live. You kind of go into, like, MacGyver mode. Like, if I had a tampon and a pineapple, I could get out of this <laughs> place, you know? <laughs> but, but that became my life, was to be her errand boy. And I was like, well, this isn't where I belong either. You know, um, she she uses styrofoam coolers for all her bills and files because they're lightweight and they're easy to carry around. Oh, there you go. She keeps cheese in the car in case she gets stuck on the side of the road. She has something to chew on. I was dealing with like a, a cyclone, and it was just it was it was a disaster. But uh, comedy won out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was sort of ultimately like, you know, the thing that pushed it over the edge was uh, my mother goes garbage canning on Sunday nights in Rhode Island. She grew up in the Depression, so she goes through people's garbage that they leave out on the sidewalk, looking for good garbage, and uh, like that food. Things like, um, clocks, things are broken, you know, like yeah. clocks, whatever it might be. Yeah, we have people drive around our neighborhood and do that on trash yeah, you know, with pickup trucks. Blenders. Yeah. Right, exactly. And so we had this moment. She wears a hearing aid. She's too cheap to buy a good hearing aid. It was one that she found in the garbage, so it whistles all the time. It was like, <laughs> so like you can never have a coherent conversation with her. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's like talking to a tea kettle in a house, right? <laughs> and so... We have this moment, this is a real moment, midnight, Sunday night, streets of Rhode Island, it's a hot July night, and I was lookout for her, and my job was to <laughs> drive her around and keep an eye out, and she's standing there in a house dress curlers, her, her hearing aid is like attracted a pack of dogs, right, and she turns to me in this moment with this clock in her hand, and she goes, I can't believe these people threw this clock out, they're crazy, I'm like, they're crazy, she had no sense of the irony of the moment, right, they're crazy. I go from, like, Wall Street, Marvel offices, mega deals. I now look out in some bad Italian-American version of Antiques Roadshow. Like, how did <laughs> I get here? What am I doing here? I'm, I'm, my mother is Mrs. Sanford and son. What, is, what happened to my life, right? So that's when I knew that that was time to move on and get back to New York and go do comedy full-time. There you go. Cool. Yeah. So that's kind of one of the shows. And another show we have is based on sort of I like to interact with the audience and talk to the audience and kind of come up with a show, which is a uh, concept to uh, have the show be a talk show where the audience does most of the talking. Ah. So and they... we have opinions from, uh, yeah, from the average person as opposed to, you know, uh, as opposed to pundits or whoever it might be, you know. Interesting. And that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. And how many, so how many total shows do you have in development? You have the, those two, wasn't there one more? Yeah, it was an animated show based right. on uh, called the Disgrace Squad. It's based on disgraced athletes that have That's disgraced right, yeah. themselves, and, and now they're a band of superheroes that have banded together to use to fight crime. And uh, and you're in it. You play an intrepid reporter. <laughs> you come in. You have that press fedora on. And you're like, what's the rub? What's the rub, huh? You got to talk like that. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, my my dad's favorite thing is like to watch old movies and tell me that no one ever talked like that. Like, she's a swell name, but now she's all sore at me. And he's like, no one ever talked like that. (laughs) (laughs) So I could totally muster that up. Yeah, exactly. Like watching uh, with uh, Walter Matthau and Jack Lemmon, the the front page. Is that what it was called? Uh, Yeah. You know, with with the... That whole thing. You'll be one of those guys. I got you already cast. You're in, man. You're in. Cool. All right. I can ISDN my... uh, my lines in like the like the big stars like these to do with uh, Absol- there you go <laughs> absolutely yeah so uh, you know we're dark from the Daily Show this week so this is a good week to be out here yeah. taking these meetings um, going right. back to the Hannity thing 
he, he knows you work at the Daily Show, right? Yeah, oh yeah, he actually gives me a hard time about it. But oh, okay. he's cool, he lets me go on and say what I want. Sometimes I don't always necessarily come down left on something. It's just, I kind of tend to have a common sense approach to life, I think. So I think oh, yeah. it really kind of just depends on, like, you know, what um, what the topic is. But, like, his big bugaboo is, like, uh, the TSA and how this hat-down procedure is invasive. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, look. I'll spend two more minutes on the ground if I, so I don't have to blow up in the sky. I'm happy to do that, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and you know, he's like, you know, it's invasive and whatever. And even Khloe Kardashian came out and, like, uh, tried to, uh, you know, um, say that she was, oh, she was on Lopez tonight recently. She's like, oh, I was, uh, yeah, I was, uh, I felt violated. You know, I felt like I was being raped in public. It's like, you can't say that. You can't have a career where you have no discernible talent and your whole career is based on your, your ass and your boobs and turn around and say that you feel offended when someone touched you the way they're supposed to touch you. So oh, they were going through the crease of my ass. I'm like, yeah, that's true. They were just looking for your talent. That's all, <laughs> you know, like, do we really care what celebrities say about these topical issues? I don't, my, my, I don't care what Chloe, look, like if, if Chloe Kardashian, who cares? I want to know what, Handbag goes with liposuction scars, then I'll ask Khloe Kardashian. <laughs> My wife always gets upset because she always asks me, she goes, who are the Kardashians? Because we don't watch the show or anything. I said, well, they're essentially famous for being famous. And she gets really upset at me. And she goes, well, everyone's famous for doing something. But, you know, you don't understand. They've done nothing except be the daughters of somebody else who was famous. And then their right. mom married someone else who's famous. They've done nothing. And their dopey right. stepbrother's the same way. With Brody Jenner. I mean, these people are useless. Exactly, and the father, the Kardashian father, was only famous because of the whole OJ thing, right? And like, sort of, I mean, that's oh that's yeah, his yeah, fame, right? Yeah, the OJ thing, and then yeah, and then his uh, his stepdad, or their stepdad, for you know, leaving his first wife after he won all those gold medals at the Olympics. So. Who's a freak? Who looks like a freak with the plastic surgery he has? He yeah. <laughs> turns his face into a woman. Like I don't know what the hell's going on with that guy. Listen but like, I, you know, we live in a culture where celebrities take a level of self-importance to a whole other level and think that because we go see their movies or watch their TV shows that we care about what they think about issues yeah. <laughs> that they have no business opining on. Like, I don't yeah. care what... Like, and so, you know, Sean and I will go at each other about, you know, that kind of thing, you know, and I joke with him, I say, well, the reason you're upset is they keep taking away your Just For, just for Men hair color because <laughs> and, and, it's a liquid. And you know, he has a really good sense of humor. He's a really good guy and was, you know... I. Like, you know, liberals want me to say, oh, he's, you know, super jerk or whatever. But, he's just you know, crazy. I go on and I say, I, I go on and I say what I want to say. You mean, you well, know, and, you know, he, you're, it's okay to disagree with him. And yeah. that's, the show wouldn't be interesting well, if look, everybody agreed with each other. We yeah. have a guy here that he's friends with, uh, Bill Cunningham in Cincinnati. They're, they're buds. And the mm-hmm. whole Cunningham thing is a shtick. It's got to be. Uh-huh. Uh, and how much well, the, what's the, what is Cunningham? Is he a liberal? No, no, no. He's a uh, conservative. Oh, okay. He uh, he started Did the he whole. Um, well, he he was the one that introduced McCain at a rally here by saying that uh, McCain was uh, uh, going against uh, Barack Hussein Obama in the election. He kept saying Barack Hussein Obama, and it's starting the point where he was embarrassing McCain, and McCain was trying to have to push back against this. But he's you know, it it's mostly a shtick, and I have a sense that with with Hannity, that's you know, it's kind of a shtick too to an extent. Or, yeah, that, I mean, or, or that boy's crazy. That, I mean, I, th- I, I mean, I think, I think he, I do think he heightens it. You know, for I mean, that's when those shows are, uh, 
that's when those shows kind of get their ratings, right? Yeah, that's true. That's what it's all about. These, uh, sort of outrageous sort of things. And, and then, and then you know, there's this kind of like I was on Red Eye recently, and you know, we were you know we were talking about Egypt and Tunisia and you know everything that's going on in the Middle East, and you know, like I mean, first of all, I never understand why these dictators don't retire. Like, what, yeah, like, Mubarak was 82. Like, you ever think? Like, you ever talk to your parents? Like, I try to talk to my mother about retiring, and so he's like, ah, what would I do? Like. I always wonder if, like, the kids of these dictators have the same conversation. Like, hey, Dad, don't you think it's time to retire? He's like, ah, what would I do if I retired? I'd, <laughs> I'd sit around the palace. I'd be like, oh, boy. If I could not repress somebody's rights and hook their testicles up to a car battery, I would be so depressed. I don't know what <laughs> I would do. You know, like, I wonder if they have that same conversation. I think they do. They just roam in the house in their bathroom, you know, thinking about the And then the whole, like, the whole way that the, the progressives in the Middle East are fight their fight versus the people in power. Like, the progressives are the younger people, and they're using, like, social media, like Twitter and Facebook and whatever. And the, and the people that are trying to stay in power are these old-school, old regime, and they're using, like, camels. They send people out on camels. Yeah. Like, who uses a camel anymore? Like, do you ever try to retweet a camel? It takes, like, 18 days. A camel's, like, the worst animal in the world. Like, it, it hisses, it spits. It won't let you mount them. It's like every sorority girl we ever dated, right? <laughs> and, 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 and yet, they send these guys out with sabers and camels to fight kids with iPhones and Twitter. Like, it just, it's wondering why the fight is happening. It's the way, the manner in which these two sides are fighting tell you everything about what's going on and why that culture is falling apart and at war with each other, with, with itself. Fascinating. Yep. Fascinating. Well, always good stuff. Uh, lots of good stuff, as always. All right, super. Okay. All, All right. right, thanks, Talk Paul. Talk to you later. All right, bye. bye. And that was Paul Mercurio. Good conversation there. Ran a little long, so we're going to get right to our musical guests. Andy Hawk and the Trainwreck Endings are a Virginia-based band that play album, adult, alternative, or triple-A music. Uh, I believe you could describe it that way. He'll correct me if I'm wrong, and I'll let you know on the next episode of The Tape Recorder. Meanwhile, this is Andy Hawk and the Train Wreck Endings on PS Tape Recorder with a song called The Tombstone. Strong in my 
episode 5 of PX Tape Reporter. Thanks again to Paul Mercurio. You can find him at paulmercurio.com. Check out where he'll be appearing live, as well as where you can see him on the television and hear him on the radio. He's all over. Today's podcast featured Hannah Ruth along with music by Andy Hawk and the Trainwreck Endings. Do check them out at andyhawk.com. Also featured on today's podcast, Shadow Raptor. They provided the music for the Mountain Dew Nervous Conniption Spot. Find them at Shadow Raptor, that's all one word, and there's no O in Raptor, .bandcamp.com. The music for PS Tape Recorder was composed by John Veropoulos, with a little help from me, performed by John Veropoulos and Doug O'Connor, with a very tiny bit of help from me. I'll tell you that story sometime. The PF Tape Recorder logo is designed by Dan Cable. For now, you can follow him on uh, Twitter, at TigerDactyl. He'll let you know what he's up to from there, and then where you can follow him in his various projects. Follow me at PF66 on Twitter. Like PF Tape Recorder on Facebook. That's the show. Thanks for listening. And there you have it, episode 5, the PF's tape recorder with Paul Mercurio. We should uh, try to ring Paul up, but they're back at work now at the Late Show, so he may be one of the folks that's actually too busy to talk to us. But um, I'm going to line up some new guests for uh, the fall here, September and October, I promise you. In the meantime, I promised you a new song of the week. It's from a band called F-16s. They're from India. Uh, it's called Chennaiya, India. I'm probably mispronouncing that. My apologies. It's a port city in India. And they kind of uh, liken themselves to fitting in with uh, Julian Casablancas and the Voids. I reckon um, uh, the Horrors, um, what's the other band that was said, that they listed as one of their influences? I'm sure the um, Strokes would fit in there as well, certainly, because that was Julian Casablancas' original band and current band again. Um, here's a vacuum cleaner going on upstairs. That's my daughter vacuuming, so you know that I am recording this from home. Anyway... Uh, since the vacuum is going, it's probably a good time to wrap up this up and head into Weekend Friends. Song is song is called Weekend Friends. The band is the F-16s. It is our song of the week. PF's tape recorder. Enjoy the vacuuming. So long and thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.